Hey, welcome to the bullpen session. This is Patrick Lillis, and hope everyone's doing okay. Doing all right. Uh, excited to share this week's conversation with casting director Stephanie Clapper. Uh, I've known Stephanie for a while, and matter of fact, we talked a little bit about the fact that she cast my first play and made that production excellent. Um, actually, that conversation reminded me, I talk about it there, how helpful she was in that, but just reframing how important that collaboration is. I mean, I believe in the value of collaboration with everyone, but said something about casting directors, you know, supposed to have magic answers without a lot of information is the assumption. And the truth is the more conversation, the better the, the cast and the better understanding both people have of what you're looking for. And it was, it was a great conversation. And the other thing that was nice is that, She's in the process of working on things, you know, wrapping some stuff up, but trying to do a couple of projects for different people. You'll hear about that at the beginning and made me happy because I'm glad that people are moving forward with any production. And also just the idea that there's some normalcy. I think we both were talking about how we want that. And what I was realizing as I was getting ready to open up the pod today as I was thinking about that. I'm feeling like I'm feeling normal today, I'm feeling normal the last couple of days. And uh, I hope you're doing well. And I know that things ebb and flow, but about feeling normal is starting to take this in as like, oh, this is, this is how we are. You know, we social distance, we're gonna, I'm gonna go teach a class online tonight. I'm gonna see somebody's Zoom production later on Saturday next week. My theater company is doing a benefit reading. The Labyrinth Theater Company is. And, you know, that's sort of the norm now. And I would like to get back to being in the room with everybody. But in the meantime, you know, moving forward and figuring out how to be as productive as possible. And one of the things that I was struck by and talking with Stephanie is, and it's something I've been thinking about because of the farm, is like how, you know, one reason to collaborate with a casting director is to meet artists you don't know. And I, I think I've talked about it before, but I just want to remain open to like, how are we meeting people? You know, we're going to go to these readings. We're going to, if we show up for other people, other productions, we're going to see people we don't know. How are we going to get to interact with them? How are you going to reach out to say, hey, I thought you were good, or hey, I'd like to work with you? And mostly I'm thinking about it because as I start to feel normal, I'm also hoping that we can figure out how to turn, you know, where we're in. Right now, I feel like people doing audio work might be able to make some money, but how are we turning this into a career again? Because I feel like every day there's sort of a free reading, there's a benefit reading, and you know, it's great that we're supporting the arts, but got to be a point when we start to think about how we're supporting the artist and how we're supporting ourselves. That's what I'm thinking about. I don't have the answer to that, but I do think uh, one of the things I was thinking about it is to make sure that when we're putting out work, that we're putting out our best work. Uh, I talked about that in a conversation with Nicole about, you know, having to be your best to get work, but also talking about with Stephanie about how to present yourself just professionally and whatnot. And I think about doing your best work, putting the best out there that you can, highest quality. And, you know, we're putting a lot of things out on Zoom. And if we're, I want to encourage rehearsal. I want to encourage being 
prepared as best as possible. I want to, because when people are seeing you, when they're showing up, you know, it's the same thing as any other time. It's a chance to build that opportunity to build a relationship for people to become familiar with your work and you as an artist. And, you know, I'm saying it to you and I'm also saying it to me. I'm thinking about like, right, what do I want to present? What do I want to share? How do I want to do that? And, you know, I want to do it towards presenting something I care about, presenting something that represents what's important to me right now, and also presenting it in the best way possible and not just presenting because we can. Because I think, um, you know, and if you need to connect and create and you need to stay connected that way, you know, quick and nothing wrong with that. But I think as we're starting, as I started, it was funny, probably because Stephanie's a casting director, I started to think about the profession and I've been thinking about that a lot. It's like, what's next? And how are we going to come out of this? And it's not how are we going to come out of this, but what steps are we going to start to take now that are presenting and creating art in a way that is valuable to ourselves and to the audience? And I feel like I say this all the time, but if you have any thoughts about it, feel free to email. You can bullpen at thefarmtheater.org. I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear your thoughts because uh, and what you're doing that is exciting you what is an audience member is exciting you and share it and because i think one of the things also is that when this is over it's not going to be like a light switch it's going to be a slow progress you know progression of work that's going to open up this our relationship to the audience again and you know, obviously at first it's not going to be live and in person, but eventually it will. And so how are we doing that in a way that is remaining valuable and engaged and not just novel? And so that's what I'm thinking about. And I'm grateful for the conversation with Stephanie because I think it refocused me a little bit about, it's because I think about our conversation was a lot about the art and what that collaborative relationship is. But I was also thinking when I am collaborating on a project with a casting director it's because I'm asking somebody to come in as something that's going to pay and and I think I started to think about a strategic business uh, started to think about it that way professionally and that was Stephanie and I have a conversation it's very artistic it was very uh, collaborative uh, about those ideas but that's where I was sitting today is you know now that I feel a little more normal is all right how are we going to go back to making art and presenting ourselves in a way that connects us to other artists and to our audience. And right now, connected to you, and I'm happy about that. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. And with that, play ball. The kind of things I'm doing right now, I'm wrapping up projects, trying to envision what next things will be. So many of my clients are unsure themselves what they're doing next because nobody knows what's happening indoors at this point. So I have several people who are trying to move ahead with summer seasons. Two are actually already done. Both are outdoor theaters, like near classical is already having a, a socially distanced or physically distanced plan in place, which is very cool for both audience and actors. Are they doing outdoor. physical distance? Are they doing physical distance in the same physical space? Yeah, it'll be in Central Park or Battery Park or Brooklyn Bridge Park. So when they do the productions, they'll just have to figure out a way that the audience is safe and that the actors are safe. 
Uh, that's, well, I'm glad to hear that, actually, because uh, as a plan, I'd like to figure out how we're going to get people in the same environment. And it's interesting. As a teacher, I agree with you. It's been I've, my goal with classes, because I teach for NYU, has been how to create a, a community in Zoom, whereas we might do a circle or something like that. How do we do that? And I'm working hard on that. And then we also do musical theater. And that's that's a challenge, I have to say. Is, I feel a bit limited by what we can do and explore in that way. Yeah, I have this uh, desire that I really want somebody to do the opening number to Bye Bye Birdie, because I um, feel like these cubes sort of sit perfectly for it. Um, well, one of the things I've been hearing a lot, because it looks like so much of that, like I saw Disney did one, and I have a high school, somebody who teaches high school did one, and I realize it's not real Zoom, what they're doing is they're using a platform, which I hadn't realized at first, that edits it to look like Zoom, but musically and visually, it's all being manipulated. Yeah, well, they're making me jealous when I see that because I keep, I'm glad you figured out that they're manipulating it because I was like, what don't I know? What don't I know? <laughs> I, I've been doing a lot of digging because I was feeling frustrated too. And like the same thing is like, hey, how are they doing this? Yeah, I think I'm doing all right. It, well, I'm, op I'm glad that the theaters are optimistic for the summer. Uh, and are what gonna be in this time of year, middle middle of April? Would you be leaning towards the fall, or would you just be knowing what you'd be doing in the fall traditionally? No, I would probably be doing the start of some casting now. Like uh, one of my theaters was going to be starting their season with a two actually theaters of mine were going to be starting with big musicals. One was opening a new space, and the other has just wanted to do a big splashy um, uh, Wizard of Oz, and both have put them on the back burner now, which which makes me sad. And in both cases, those are regional theaters. They're um, taking their last show or two shows from the end of this season and putting it to open this next season. That's the plan right now. Which is which is nice because they didn't cancel those plays, but. Mm -hmm. It's also one of the theaters, interestingly, said it'll be easier ticketing-wise. People will have tickets already. They just could trade it in. But I think it, it'll simplify certain processes there for them. Um, but then I have another theater who literally has four different plans for when we potentially open. So they have, and it, it was kind of interesting to hear their plans. Also, they have a certain amount of people on their board who are quite... Um, right wing, or not right wing, more Republican in their thinking. So they tend to think, oh, come on, you could open sooner. <laughs> so they're trying to give them different options there. And then I don't know if you heard what Utah Shakes is doing, which interests me. They're bringing their actors out, I think, more in June. And then they, they have to self-quarantine for 14 days, and they'll do table work and line work while they're quarantined. They'll pay for their, they'll have their housing set up. And then at the end of that time, they'll go into the rehearsal hall if they test pot, if they test. Okay. If they're, if they're, that's actually, that's really smart because uh, the one thing Zoom has been great at is table work. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it's, uh, I think it's smart and generous to bring them out, get them there so that they can then start running. And hopefully, you know, I, I I feel like when the theaters are, I don't think the theaters will be irresponsible. So I feel like once they open the doors, the audience will come. They may not all flock to New York to go to Broadway right away, but mm -hmm. probably go to their region, their local home. We'll see. Uh, Equity also just sent out something somebody shared with me yesterday saying, if theaters are trying to get you to do theater before it's safe, don't do it. 
which I thought was interesting too. Something like some theaters have said they want to start marks mark um, May sixth, and we don't advocate for that. Let us know. Yeah, May, well, <laughs> May sixth sounds early, but um, but I like that. You know, and also the person who you said the organization that had four plans sounds good. I like the idea that we're that they're thinking strategically. I, without going into too far of the politics, I'm. I would like to know that our government is thinking strategically with four different plans, or one thorough plan. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. So you're so so you're current. You're teaching. I I know you teach a, a lot, but you're at NYU right now. Yeah, I work for the new studio on Broadway. So the the students who are getting ready to graduate, I do a casting. A casting workshop with them nice. so, which is great so it's over um, I have three different sections it's me and two other casting offices and we each get a section for four to five weeks and then we switch to the other section good nice it's uh, I'm glad that you know it's, it's useful that it keeps going I was and it keeps me sane <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah gotta have something to do I mean mm -hmm. um, what are you doing right now? In addition to this, how are it's you keeping busy? This is going to tape after this, but uh, the farm is, we have a college collaboration project. And on Sunday, uh, the farm's college play is live streaming. And, oh, wow. Uh, which is through the farm's uh, Facebook page and through Shenandoah universities. And I'm doing that and then teaching play development through Zoom and, and then I'm going for a walk every day and I am up in Rochester because uh, I was out in Shenandoah uh, in, at, uni at the university like until two weeks ago. Oh. Where and, are you now? And now I'm up in Rochester, New York where my mom is because uh, okay. I was get this is one of the first questions I get to ask is actually because you were talking about teaching and the students. I'm, I'm, I want to ask how you got into it, but I'm curious how you meet, how do you stay current, not just in the corona situation, how do, in the regular life situation, uh, how do you stay, how do you meet new actors? How do you? Oh, well, this, um, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, that's it. I love, actually teaching is probably one of my favorite things to do, and I, I teach not only in New York, but I go around the country and meet students at various programs. Um, both BFA and BA programs, MFA programs. But I love meeting people when they're right at the sort of emerging part of their career and, and get to see what they're about. And, and you know, there are some I'll stay in touch with and some I won't and some who will pop up over time. But I feel like it's a great start to the evolving relationship of how I meet actors. Yeah, because that's, uh, you know, the farm is cultivating. We talk to emerging that's who we're trying to cultivate as the early career artist. And if, how, do, how, I was noticing, I know you do like one-on-one -on -one also, the one-on-one. -on -one. Not these days, not right now. Not now, um, great. More university. More university. And how mm -hmm. do people, do, do, is it successful for people to reach out to you just to, if they haven't, if they weren't at the university you were at and they came to New York and they say, I'm going to send an email or I'm going to mail a letter or how, or is it more you seeing them in something that, they're in with somebody else that you know or how does that happen it tends to be more reliable and helpful if it's if i we have like a one degree or two degrees of separation from each other or if i know a somebody who they've trained with this really really helpful <laughs> that said i i think that people should mail in if they if they're aware of what i'm doing and it interests them 
I think that that's a great point of contact and, and let's see where it goes. Familiarity breeds familiarity and, and could be the start of a relationship. It just has to be smartly thought out, not just a general letter or, or something sent without a cover letter. I think it's really important that when people reach out, they have a purpose and a reason and not just because they have to check it off their list. Right. Or I want to, I need to work generically. And I think it's so, it's funny. It's so true what you say. It's like, as soon as I, the one degree of separation is always helpful. But even if I look at your resume and I see that, oh, I know somebody, you work with somebody I know, mm-hmm. I then have an immediate limit, uh, increased amount of trust, you know, in what that is. And and also when we're looking for something very special. So let's say I'm looking for a tuba playing juggler who's, who has great text ability and would be great in a Shakespeare play. Um, I'm going to be really interested if that person is mailed to me just by chance. I go, oh, these are really interesting skills that I bet you are going to come up. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, if you've got something unique, then that will get put aside because eventually somebody's going to say, I need the tuba player. But so- make sure you own the tuba. <laughs> that's right that's right because you don't want to get into the production and find out they have to rent you one because that's not going to happen or that they can't show up at the audition with it because they may say they play but if i don't know their level of ability you know when's if they played in high school and they're now 24 that's a lot of time that's gone on there without them playing that's see that's a smart casting director who knows that you're like all of a sudden you're in the room you're like do you really play <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm, I, I'm curious how casting started for you. Oh, um, I know that's a while ago, but well, no, yeah, I am curious because what, because I think, because you didn't go to school to be a casting director. Um, I think to keep the story, uh, shorter, I, I grew up thinking I would be a professional flutist and maybe solo with an orchestra or, or being a great ensemble. And that was sort of my path for a lot of my younger years. And then when I was applying to colleges, I thought maybe I'll do that. But then I had the opportunity to go to film school because I loved watching movies. And that was sort of, I, I didn't feel like going to a conservatory was the right step for me. So I took a hard left. Um, and film school was at SUNY Purchase, which actually led to me help, helping start a new program in not the conservatory in the drama studies program um, that was the brand new program we were launching and that led to me within that program creating a directing program and um, through that I got really great internships with the public theater I, I got to work with Lee Brewer and then ultimately my flute teachers um, boyfriend at that time was Maury Yeston and Maury invited me to work on the workshop of Nine the Musical and I got to meet producers from that and they also had produced Cloud Nine, the Carol Churchill play. And upon graduation, I was offered a job but was going to Europe to create sort of my own uh, MFA program and going to different festivals because my specialty within all of this was modern French drama. So jump to, I worked with these producers who were incredible but I was always directing. It was really, it was finding ways to support my directing career. And after that job ended. I worked in an advertising agency that specialized in theatrical advertising. I worked as a production manager, as a stage manager. I worked with a set designer, but always directing in between. And uh, I ran into somebody in my mom and dad's building in the village late at night in the elevator, and he was a director too. And he asked me what I was up to, and I told him. 
and he said there's a small off-Broadway theater and they just lost their casting director. You should check it out. And I thought, well, I haven't done that job yet. <laughs> and um, I interviewed with the artistic director and he yelled at me and told me I knew nothing. And I said, that's not true. I know lots and I've assisted people and I've done this, that, and the other. And who better than a director to find your actors? And he threw the script at me. He went on vacation and that was the beginning of my starting to cast. But um, it really, I really was starting out as a director looking for actors for my own projects and wanted to meet more people. And it gave me access to meet more actors than I would have done on my own. And it was after a number of years that I had this aha moment. And um, a friend of mine offered me an office space to get out of that space because that it just wasn't, it wasn't a happy place to be anymore. So suddenly I'm starting my own company without meaning to start my own company and realizing that I love connecting people. I love being inside of the creative team's brains and helping them to figure out where we want to go with designing the cast. And here I am. Yeah. Well, it's very funny when you said it wasn't a happy place. I'm like, didn't sound like it started as a happy place, but <laughs> it didn't continue as one either. <laughs> but great opportunities, and I met wonderful, wonderful people. And to this artistic director's credit, he gave me a chance, even though it was kicking and screaming. He did give me a great opportunity to start a wonderful career. Yeah, and then you, so you started right off independent, independent. I mean, you were with yeah, this I did company. it very differently. Yeah. So I. I learned on the job, so to speak, when I was at nine, um, our offices were at 1501 Broadway. And in those days, people would just pop into each other's offices and visit each other because it was largely a theater building. And there was one really wonderful man named Leonard Finger who did largely film and TV casting, but some theater casting. And um, he also had one of the largest private film archive collection, uh, not film, I'm sorry, theater, like uh, old theater collections that ultimately is a lot is um, at the Players Club right now. And we became friends. And when I started really thinking that casting was going to be what I wanted to do, I called Leonard up and said, I, I think I'd like to pursue this seriously. Can I talk to you? And he said, absolutely. And we talked and he said, look, keep doing what you're doing, but I, I would really love you to be my associate and help me on projects. And um, so I learned through working with Leonard as well as doing my own thing and was very fortunate in that way. So it was a true sort of old time apprenticeship. And uh, to this day, he's a very dear friend of mine. Oh, that's so great. And it's, yeah, I was gonna ask, that's, you know, what do you think? Well, maybe this is a different question because the mentorship's great. The other thing that I'm hearing that I, I really appreciate is actually telling somebody what you wanna do and asking, <laughs> asking for help. Uh, I did, and what, what I, I sometimes am struck with, I hope you don't mind me saying no, go for it. Sometimes I feel like it wasn't, it was from a very pure place. It wasn't from an ambitious, I wanted to take over the world place. I truly was inquisitive and wanted to learn, but I had no agenda other than wanting to learn. And I think sometimes that gets lost these days. So I want to really encourage the idea of being open to learning and, and receiving knowledge in that way. Uh, I think it, I, yeah, I agree with you because you can you also can feel when it's ambitious. You know, when somebody comes to you and you're like, "Oh, I don't think you want my knowledge. I think you want an opportunity. I think you mm -hmm. want something else." Mm -hmm. And uh, that that relationship may be it. But one of the questions that I have is, "What do you think got you and your maybe it's your business, maybe it's your career, maybe it's that relationship uh, got you to the next level? And how did that come about?" 
Well, I've been thinking a lot about the next level and I feel for me, the next level is always evolving. Like, I, I don't think it's a finite thing. I think that what I'm fortunate about is I've always liked that my business model is one where I have a small but very specific company in which the people who work with me are, we're true collaborators. And I love the fact that I get to do so many different things. So I do premieres of new plays. I do old plays. I get to do classic plays. I get to do new musicals. I get to do old musicals. I get to work with the Philadelphia Orchestra on, on Leonard Bernstein's music and bring in New York actors for that. So um, I think that for me, it's about when I work with a client, sometimes they're friends, sometimes they become friends, sometimes they're just collaborators, but that we find the best in each other that creates the beginning of a relationship that continues on. And as we both grow, the projects get, get to be of a different level. So for example, the person I work with on the Leonard Bernstein um, projects for the Philadelphia Orchestra was somebody I met when he was doing a small show in New York many years ago. And then we reconnected and in that time they became a very well-known opera director and stage director and are doing TV now. And it was a great opportunity where we were like, oh, we work really well together. This is so in your wheelhouse. Um, and then recently I did a, a premiere of a new song cycle for um, uh, Actress Theater of Louisville. And once again, it, was, it came out of, we had done a production of Ones on this Island for Cincinnati Playhouse and Actress Theater. And the director enjoyed our working together. And I had known him from Cleveland Playhouse before that. And he felt that the way we thought was a good combination for this project. And um, once again, I've become, I feel fortunate I've become a collaborator in the whole project. So to me, next level comes out of what we create together and where it moves forward. And so, it's, yeah, it's always through and saying, yeah, I guess it's building that relationship and growing all the time. And it's not, and it's never, it's, it's interesting. It's never one thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, it's that person in your building who says, I have this, and then you meet the artistic director and then you meet uh, yeah. somebody to and mentor. I guess next level, yeah, I was just, I think a lot about next level because is it about the money one can make that would be nice or is it the creative opportunity that helps drive it? And, and the fact that I feel specifically in our business, like you never really know where something will lead because it's, it always feels like Vegas. Like <laughs> it's, it's, if the stars align and the wheel spins and it's your number and your color and you bet on it correctly, but you don't know. There's, there's like, you just don't know. No, and I think, I think the roulette is the right metaphor if we're going to do Vegas because it feels really mm -hmm. like luck. You can never, you can't predict. You can have the best collaborators and the best everything and you don't know what it's going to do. And, mm -hmm. and I, think, I think when you said collaboration is too, it resonates with me. Like I, I don't measure it by, I mean, I'd love more money, you know, but that's not yeah. really ever what I measure. I, we did last night, a re did an online reunion with uh, the national tour of She Loves Me I directed 25 mm -hmm. years ago. And, you know, it was just great to see everybody. And you thought, oh, well, that at the time was next level because it was a national tour. Uh, mm -hmm. And it felt prestigious and part of an established thing. But the truth is, it was next level because it taught me what it was to do what you were saying, build a collaboration, build a relationship. And these are people that 25 years later, we all love each other. 
you know. Which I think says so much about about that time and moving forward and that you're still in each other's lives. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, and, you know, and I, as I was sitting there thinking about it, and everybody was talking about how special it was, I thought, oh, I, I, without, without working very hard, and this is not to diminish how beautiful that experience was, I thought, oh, I can think of at least 10 plays or more where the whole cast still feels that way, and I think it's, I went, oh, that's the, because that is what I took away from that experience, I think, is that's, that's the environment you want to create, is that collaboration. But I think that also says a lot about your work and what's important to me too is that we create um, families and groups of people that really like each other and want to stay together after the creative process. And I think in this time that we're going through right now, like those relationships, like we all need that support. And, and um, I don't think that should be taken for granted because it's unusual. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. And it's, it, and it is every point. My, it's very funny. My mother came to see a play of mine early on in my career uh, on my birthday and she's like she goes oh like you know the cast and the crew like everybody's a family when you work together and I thought well it sh should be I mean not in a not in an unhealthy dysfunctional way but in the pleasant caring for each other mm -hmm. all striving to to work towards the same goal um, but it's not always and sometimes I think people what that notion is is not always real but I think when it's the real deal, that's when it really counts. Yeah, and you can, again, I'm going to go back to the email I got. You can feel it, you know, you can, when it's real. Mm -hmm. uh, it's interesting with the car. How, now, now you've got your own office and you've been doing it a while, so people finding you. But how does somebody, I'm curious about this is not actually, I don't know if this is early career. How do people approach you for something like, okay, the Bernstein thing came out of, uh, a relationship. I'm thinking when somebody's got an unusual idea, they're doing an online thing or something. How, how do they decide that like, okay, I also need a casting director and I want to talk to Stephanie. Like, how does that come about? I mean, you understand like when somebody Virginia stage is doing a play, we sort of know that there's that traditional relationship, but I'm, I, I ask because I also feel like, it's really valuable to work with another collaborator on casting and to open up the doors. And I think people don't know when or how to knock on the door to ask for help. Well, I, I know I'm really like, the fact that we're doing a podcast right now is something very exciting to me because it's something I want to learn more about and see how things can be, can be produced in this medium. Same thing, I think webisodes, certain things that happen, but I'm really interested in, especially this time, how can we use it to be in multiple places and do things? Um, so I think in terms of how to approach somebody like me or me, it's that you have some sense of my taste from the things I've done and my interest maybe from our conversation. And if that um, vibes with the person who's hearing it, that's how they reach out and say, oh, I have this project that I'm really excited about. Maybe it's something you want to take a look at and see if it resonates with you as well. And that, yeah, and it's, and it's usually just the project. Like if it's like the, obviously the Philharmonic thing is, that sounds great to me, the orchestra. It's it's kind of my idea of, of the perfect alignment <laughs> of everything I love to do. Yeah, coming from, but yeah. Like, you know, developing is, is always great. But yeah, that was a very fortunate alignment. And it, and it was, and I forgot, it was funny. I, I was reading something earlier that you did and that, that's what made me think of it. It made me, not that particular project, but an online thing or something that seems so, 
it, it seems like something that people today are creating and it seems so interesting <laughs> to me. And I, and I, and I did think did they have to have a past relationship with you or, or did they just bring the project? Because uh, I think people, it's interesting. I think when they're starting out and creating self-generating these projects like the podcast web series or whatever, they, they just reach their friends, which is nice, but it's also really incredibly valuable to expand your community. Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. I mean, another example is um, an actor I, I've known for many years who I cast in something recently reached out to me because he and another actor were developing a project and they had both known me from hiring them and just once again, building a relationship over the years. And they got together and they said, well, who do we think would be the right person to help us grow this project and, and work with us who, who would help us get the right people for it. And I felt very honored that it was these two actors that came to me because they trusted me in the circumstance of casting them and seeing what my process is and brought me into another creative process with them. And I, I just felt like that that's a nice win. That's pretty great. I was gonna, it's funny about the collaborator and expanding, I'm censoring myself a little bit because I was also thinking about you cast the, first play I wrote that got produced and I didn't realize that was the first play. It was so good. It was <laughs> Thank so, you. You're welcome. Broken watch. It was and, great. And uh, yes. And it was, it was interesting because I just, when you said the thing about collaborating, it's very funny. I don't tell this story out <laughs> publicly, but I was, I remember fighting for somebody who had done a reading and done a workshop. Mm -hmm. And I just remember you and and true at Broken Watch, but you you basically saying, Patrick, your play's gonna be better if this person is in it. And 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 it was ultimately what resonated with me was when you said that, because I thought, right, that's I love these other I love these actors, but ultimately I want my play to be better. And I didn't dislike the actor we were casting you know, that it was between. It wasn't that. It was it was this emotional hold. And I just, it, it was such a simple statement and so honest. And I went, oh, right. I'm, you know, it's nice to have, I, I fight for loyalty of friends all the time. Me too. Me too. But if if push comes to shove and it's, it's your play will be better if you go this way. And I just needed to hear that simple statement because I went, oh, that's right. That's, that's the measure of what I'm working on, you know. And so I just appreciate it. And I think about that play and, you know, I met uh, Ryan Woodle and Peggy Scott, both from that production. And Maybe it's time for a revival. I, I, would, <laughs> I would be completely open. We should do it. I think, I, actually, I, I would love it. I think, uh, I think they all are great, too. <laughs> um, what do you, now that, from the, from the moment of the guy throwing the script and saying, you know, good luck, I'm out of here, to today, what do you think you carry with you into the room? Or, and I take the sort of like next level, the room being metaphorically, whatever room that is, or, or with you that you didn't when you started. Um, I think that over time and maturity, it's, it's, um, it's many things. I mean, what I bring into the room now is um, I'm an advocate for both sides of the table. So my intention is to create a room that's safe for actors to do the best work they could do. And, and that means being on the same page with my client, but it's, it's, it's creating a room that's um, 
that's a comfortable room to come into and be creative. And, and um, I think that goes with how I, my client and I communicate together and also making sure the actors are as well prepared as they could possibly be. And it's not that I didn't ever, that that's saying hey, it's just, I think it's a clearer intention in some ways. And it's just, um, it's just helping the process to grow in that way. It's also an awareness of um, what producers need, what the creative team needs, what the actors need, and and um, being being aware on all levels and sensitive and um, listening as well as, as being active. But I, I think it's really, um, I'm always fine tuning my intuition, which is sharp, but it's always really listening carefully to every everything that's going on. Uh, yeah, that's everything, meaning every interaction, every little thing in the room. Um, and, and the other thing I heard when you said that was, are you thinking about, is it also communicating? When you said getting actors to prepare, being the most prepared, is it is that about communicating what you think the expectation in the room is or what is, what is the difference? How do you help so them prepare? Levels. Well, I think it's just on so many levels. I think that um, it is material, but it's also um, just knowing where people want to go with things, but also creating lots of possibilities as to choices, but, um, but also being focused. So it's, it's, it's having all of that available. I don't know if that's, if that makes sense or not. It does. I'm actually, no, I thought it was, it was good when you said it. Cause I went, yeah, I want the actor to be as prepared as possible. And I'm, and I think, and my initial thought was how do you help them with that? Because that's incredibly valuable. Even if what you help them with is getting them to think about it differently mm -hmm. or to think about it in a certain framework or, or to, or whatever. I don't want to put the presumption on that. It actually resonated because I went, Oh, I don't think about, yeah, and, and also, you know, every, as you know, as director and writer, everybody has their own taste. So an actor who, who is dependable and who I know is, is like that, that person, um, this particular director may not respond in that way. So you, that's why it's also good to have to think about, as we were talking about that theater, how to have different plans in place as well. Yeah, and, I, and, and, and it's interesting because you also are thinking about you know, you have to bring in obviously variety, but you're also aware of who to bring into the room mm -hmm. for each. Yeah, I mean, it's also interesting because it's making sure, and I think what's important to me is to make sure people are well taken care of. And it used to be misconstrued as a maternal thing. And it may be, I'm a mom and, and that is <laughs> one of my things. But I think it's also like right before this point in time, the last session I did, I think was on March 13th actually, before we got closed down and my client was in from Cincinnati and I remember um, people wanting to shake his hand and I was like no you know what we have Purell on the table let's do an elbow bump or whatever and when he and I talked the other day he said I, I have to tell you I'm so appreciative that you really looked out for mine and the actor's well-being at that moment who would have known but I feel like when I came back home I knew I didn't have anything to worry about that's great so, so it's details that go beyond just the acting and the material. It, it's, it's, it's looking at the big picture of everything. No, it's true. And I'm glad. And it's interesting that little, just you saying that I went, yeah, it was four days later that everything was closed. Mm -hmm. I think it was four, but it was four where I was. 
no, yeah, oh, that was the last day we were in the office. That was it. Yeah, and and it is. It's that. It's funny to think like right that peace of mind, which nobody would have thought about if we kept going for another two weeks, but that peace of mind mm -hmm. is priceless and invaluable. <laughs> uh, now I get as a director. Uh, how do you? I want to say what's the most valuable part that the director can contribute to the conversation and with you, but really I'm, I'm also curious about as you inspire and prepare the actor, how do you, in, how do you think you inspire and prepare the, and the director part of that collaboration? Well, I love when, when I can have um, real deal discussions with the director where of course the director comes in having some clarity about what they want, but um, I think uh, a colleague of mine calls us the designers of the cast. And I feel that directors are very good about having meetings with their lighting designers, meeting with their set designers, their costume designers. And I think that our conversations are very important in that way too. And to me, that's some of the most successful partnerships where we get to talk about ideas. And it's not judgmental, it's really spinning thoughts and finding what is our commonality and what can I offer that maybe they don't know yet. But, um, but to me, that's what really gets the process going and makes it exciting when we get to have those conversations. Yeah, it's true. It's funny you say that because I think you are the des designers of the cast and just in the same way of other design process because it's process, you know, once the cast is selected, that's a different thing, but it's bringing in the room and what elements you're looking for. And you're making me think about something about my own process that I'm thinking I learned so much about the act about the individual roles through conversations with the costume designer. And, mm -hmm. and usually the play is cast at some point in that process and you start to share ideas, you know, you start to share ideas with the actor or what with the designer about what they look like, but it'd be, I'm sorry, you hit something and I went, oh, it'd be great to share those ideas and discoveries, you know, with the casting director. <laughs> well, it really helps and I feel that you know, I think sometimes we're expected to have answers without those conversations, and yet our minds get creatively inspired and sparked, just like we want to inspire our, our creative team. And I think that it, it's just so much more helpful, and I think there's always going to be a role that's a little more challenging or maybe takes a little more digging. But I think that if we approach it as problem-solving, it makes it more um, user-friendly and, and it allows solutions to happen in a way that I think is more productive. Um, and sometimes it's about finding the clarity of the role and the right picture. I was curious when you said your office is like a, it works together. How do you, now that it is more of a career, how are you finding people to work with? Who, who, and how long, I don't know how long you've worked with anybody. So, you know, uh, in the office, but how does that, are there people now coming and saying, I want to be a casting director. This is the pursuit I'm having. Yeah, well, actually, it's interesting. Um, the Casting Society of America has started doing some um, teaching and, and having some um, workshops that are in development right now, which is nurturing and bringing new um, potential assistants and casting people into the world. And then I work with the Tepper Semester through Syracuse University, which does a program as well, in which they have... Um, a few casting uh, people, casting students who are placed in different offices for their sort of, it's almost like their year abroad or their semester abroad. And um, it's really great. I, I have to say, I think that um, 
to have that opportunity, it, it just helps us as casting people out when we're looking for assistance and people to, to put into our office. Yeah, I think it's great. So I think it's, it's like, uh, it was interesting when you said there wasn't really a path before, because I think, sure, people start because they're going to play the flute, or they like movies, or they can, you know, they're good at the remembering actors, whatever. It seems like now it should be something that people can think about, because I think it is a skill that people have. But I think having that special spidey skill is helpful too. I think like a lot of my colleagues of my generation were actors or directors. And I think when you talk about what we bring in the room, I think our compassion and understanding and experience in that, in that venue helps to inform how we are as casting people. I think sometimes people who are totally on the casting path don't always understand the other part of the picture. So I think it's important to have a lot of a lot of background in other areas because I think it helps to um, I think it just helps with what we do to understand it from all aspects. I think there's a lot about name recall and seeing things, but I think if you don't know how to talk to a director because you've never directed it, it's 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 just I think it's just everybody's approach is different. Yeah, and I think uh, when you say the spidey skills, skill, I think. Uh... I think that is it. It's the it's the understanding the art a little bit, understand not a little bit, a lot of it, understanding that and understanding the empathy of it, is this mm -hmm. incredibly valuable. Well, and I think it's when you look at going back to young actors and looking at agents of a certain time who invested in an actor's growth and potential, and not expecting the actor right out of school to deliver right away and get that TV show. You know, I think the, there were the people who have the patience to nurture and grow over time. And I think that sometimes now in our business, it's about the immediacy of making money, not about the, the long game. You think that's, do you think that's changed from the, from the representative aspect of things? Yeah, they have numbers to make. So I think that some offices will invest in an actor a year out of school, see how they do in that year, and either keep them on or release them and make room for the next crop coming in. So I yeah. think that actors need to be mindful of if they're going into an office like that, what are the expectations? If they should be so lucky to get an agent, what does that mean? Is there a clock ticking? Or are they investing in them? Yeah, it's funny. I do feel that, I mean, it's clear that obviously certain agents 25 years ago and whatever, had the ability to start a path for an actor, an artist very quickly. Some had that, but mostly I felt at the time when people were starting out, it felt more of an investment. And, and, and I, you know, I don't want to say that it's not because if I talk to an agent on the podcast, I will love to hear their opinion, but I do feel it's a little quicker, a little short term. And you really want to mm -hmm. build And I would, Knowing my life and my career, and, and I, I would want it to be a long-term relationship and a, an investment in the mm -hmm. art, the art as much as it is the immediacy. And it's interesting because I think of you of having strong relationships with actors and collaborators. What is your relationship with that, with the agency or different agencies? Um, I have, I'm fortunate that I have very, I, I like to think I have very good relationships <laughs> with my with the agents I work with. Um, 
I think it's important that we're up front with each other going in. Is this actor going to do my job or not do my job? Sometimes they'll want an actor to come in for something because they want that relationship with either me or the creative team or both. But then the actor won't be prepared. Let's say it's a job out of town. The actor may say, you know, it's pilot season. I think I'm going to stay in New York. Like, I'd like to know that before they come in for my client. So the agent could get an earful from me if my client falls in love with them only to be told they're not going to follow through. So, um, but I think that um, it's, it's one of buyer and seller. I'm buying and they're selling and then we negotiate and hopefully they'll sell me that, you know? So it's, it's um, there too, it's all about collaboration and transparency and um, both being excited to meet new people on their roster and be, having accessibility to people of another level on their roster. It's very funny. I'm thinking when I'm in the room, anyone who comes in the room I want to be fully available in case I fall in love with them. And mm-hmm. yet anybody who ever asked me for advice and they're not sure they want the job, I say, well, you should go in and get the job and then you can decide if you want the job. But I, but, yeah. it, but what do you think? Okay, go. This but, I, but I think if I'm casting a show for you, Patrick, and, and somebody comes in and, and they're the person you fall in love with, and then they tell me they're not going to take the call back because they've decided they don't want to go. You're not going to be very happy about that because you fell in love with them. And you might have based some of the other callbacks on the fact that they real their work resonated with you. And now it's going to throw off your process because now we need to rethink maybe who else we're calling back because we have to have other options because that person's now off the list. And that's going to could shake you a little because you were so into them and it really brought your project to a new light and it's going to work out, but it's going to take an extra beat and and some extra work to get you back on track because of that. So to me, that's why it's important to really come in knowing you want to be there. No, I agree with, it's very funny. I agree with that. And then I think about when you said, Oh, I'd like, I want to know because it's it's good for me to think about it actually because when I'm in the room, I, I want, yes, I want the person who comes in the room to be a hundred percent available because I want to have that experience. Like you said, I want to fall in love every time. That's not a cliche. When somebody walks in the room, you want them to solve the problem. You want to fall in love with them. They want to be the, you know, you want it to be the greatest artistic collaboration it could be, you know, and, um, and, and when they're not available or, might not even just might not which you never know if they're negotiating or what you're thinking why wouldn't you want this project we had such a great time and and yet so if people yeah if they're not available like they can't then does it hurt them to go into the room because they want to meet that director or they want to be in a room, you know, it's the first time you're calling them in. And is it, if they're not a hundred percent committed or open to the job, does that hurt a relationship? How does that? I think they're taking a slot away from a potentially available actor. So I'd rather have that slot for somebody who is going to take my job. And I'd rather see you for something that you're going to be able to do. If you just want to meet me or my client, let's do a general meeting, but don't take a slot because it's just not right. That's great. Good. See, now I'm, I'm, good for me to think about. And if they're honest and they say, look, I don't think I'm going to go out of town at this point or whatever the reason is. There can it's always- not the right time. Yeah. Because <laughs> what happens then is my client will come back to me and says, why didn't you find that out? Why didn't you know? They said they were available. What do you mean? 
and did you really talk to them? Did you really talk to their agent? And I did. But so it, it really complicates things. And if you don't want your client to ever lose confidence in you as, as the casting person. So that could also create that sense of, well, how can I trust this person to cast my show? When of course we're committed and we're doing everything, but that's that lack of communication between either the agent and me that they didn't tell me that or between the actor and the agent. Cause sometimes the agents, whether it's true or not, will say, Oh, the actor didn't tell me. I didn't know about the wedding they had to go to. Right. 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 The wedding that's six weeks away, right on tech. Um, no, I was actually, it's funny. Cause I don't think I'm, I think I never would tell somebody if they weren't available. I think it's always that thing of like, I might have this other job. And I always say like, well, you, I think my advice just to, just to defend my position on it is not don't go in if you're not available, but never go in because you're waiting. Never don't go in oh. for a job because you're waiting on a mite. You know? Yeah, oh, absolutely. But that's a different circumstance. I mean, things like that come up or you could get two offers in a day. And that was something I encountered recently where an actor we cast um, for, for a project. It was a one person show. And this actor was like the, the guy. He was, he nailed it. The writer, director, producer fell in love with him. He was that person. But then on the same day as our offer, he got an offer for a film he had auditioned for six months ago. And to the, this is a great agent story because between the agent, me and the general manager, we worked it out. And the film people gave him days off. The production team of the show adjusted their playing schedule and we got a, an, uh, an understudy in there to help on certain days and we pulled it off but that was about everybody working together and that was because the actor wanted to make both things work out that's great yeah and and it's funny about the film six months later getting the call because you know you, you they go into the room they probably always may have forgotten that they were waiting on this six month thing or well the financing had fallen through that, yeah. So the agent and the actor thought it was done, but then a big production company um, came in and sort of saved the day, unbeknownst to everybody who had been involved with it before. And then, so, so funny, I'm sharing this because I've, I actually realized I've been through this experience, similar, somebody got a TV show and trying to navigate. And for people who don't know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to ask a question saying my experience is that you do a lot of that navigating and that negotiating because I, as the director, go through the casting director, you know, and the casting director talks to the agent and at what, you know, and it, until the contract signed, I don't think it goes to, you know, you're the, you're the person helping facilitate all that. Mm -hmm. That's a, uh, I think people need, it's funny, I like sort of just wanted to say it go, I think people need to know that because uh, mm -hmm. And sometimes I negotiate, it depends on the theater and the contract, but sometimes I negotiate contracts too as on behalf of my client. Uh, I was thinking, yeah, and I was just thinking even negotiating just how many, hey, can we figure this out? Can I be, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to. Well, that was, I mean, and with that show, that was really it. Thankfully, this agent and I, have worked together for many years. Um, and they were really, like everybody wanted to make it work. And that was what was so great. So it was very much about problem solving for all of us in that way. And each coming from our 
our different places to make that happen. Nice. Um, it's my question about advice, but I'm like, I, I, I think it's, I want to ask two, two questions about advice. What advice do you have for somebody who's starting out on a career in the theater? It can be in casting, it can be in anything. And then, and you can take in any order because I know that people who are listening are going to want this. What advice do you have for young actors? Early career, not age. Okay. Um, well, let me start with the actor part of it and then we'll go to the bigger picture, I think. Um, I think in terms of young actors, uh, don't be in such a rush. I feel like people, young actors right now feel as though there's a clock ticking and they have to get to a certain place and they have certain milestones to reach and, and it gets a little competitive with who's accomplished what. And I think that if this is really what you're going to do, um, you need to make sure you, you train for it. You go to, just like you would go to the gym to get your body in shape, you need to find what are the right classes. Even when you're working, you need to be, be working with people who, so you're continuing to grow and flourish and, and find possibilities. And also create and expand your community. I also think um, finding ways to develop new work is very important to be part of, of um, a group of people who are reading plays together or doing screenplay readings or creating webisodes or whatever. I think it's, I think being able to also create your own opportunities so that you're not just waiting around is important. Um, and and um, always having conversations and reading and, and uh, there's so much out there right now. You don't need to see everything, but, but um, diversify what your interests are and, and get to know actors work so you can, um, see who, who jazzes you as a performer. Uh, if you're interested in TV and you're in New York, um, familiarize yourself with what shows are shooting here. If you want to do stage, familiarize yourself with the smaller companies as well. And who are those directors and who's coming up with you? Uh, and, and I always think of the metaphor of, you know, this is your garden and you get to plant the crops that you want. So, so now is the time to invest in that and, and start your garden and, and let it bear fruit for you. Um, in terms of overall being in our business, I think I, I do feel that my early teachers said it's really important to know about every aspect in some way. And I feel that I've benefited from, under, from knowing and experiencing different aspects of it just to have that knowledge feed what I do. So I do think that it's helpful to learn a lot about all aspects of what your interest is. Um, because it'll, it'll help you to, to um, stick around and understand what people are talking about. That's great. That's great. So I just want to say, Stephanie, that, that answer for the actor was so excellent because I thought, well, it's clear you teach that. <laughs> that was so clear. Uh, talk to me, talk to the value of actors knowing other actors is, what, what do you... Uh Oh, gosh. I just think that I, there is a generosity among our acting community that is unlike any other. And I, I just love when some of our um, actors who've been around longer can say to a younger actor, hey, this is what I did, or I just heard about this great opportunity. You should check this out. Or, um, you know, a, a friend of mine who told a young actress, there's, uh, I'm going to, if it's okay with you, I'd love to suggest you to these people who are doing a reading of a new piece. Can I, can I put your name in? And I just feel that so many opportunities come through 
people helping each other out and making suggestions. I don't think you could do it all on your own. I think that it's all about the generosity we give each other because that's how, how things happen. I, yeah, I agree. It was inter Yeah, your whole list is my list. I agree with that about increasing your community because it's not, you know, sure somebody's going to tell you they're going to give you advice about how to do something, whatever, but they're really going to be aware of what's happening and, mm -hmm. and how to not connect you in the networking thing, but how to bring you into that community because we're actually all yeah. in it. Well, and I think that there is, there can be the inclination to be selfish and keep things to oneself, but I think that never really helps anyone. It makes you feel really bad. And, and it's, it's like, you know, I just think that, that everybody, um, will benefit from, from that sense of community. I agree. Um, this has really been great. And thank you. Thank you. I agree. And, you know, my one, I don't actually have another question and I can end it when I said this is great. But uh, my thought is if there was anything you wanted to, knew that you wanted to talk about or say before you came on. I just think we have to keep talking about how we can keep doing what we love to do in this time because we don't know how much longer we're going to be stuck doing things this way. So I just want to keep brainstorming and talking about how we can do what we do. Sort of like how we started out. It's like, what, I don't know what that is, but I want us to keep doing it. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. Thank you for the conversation. And, um, you know, I love at the end just, you know, I was talking about the beginning about thinking about quality of work and career. And I love at the end there when Stephanie was talking about just the fact of keep imagining how we can do this. And, you know, I think for a little while, yeah, I think that's also the thing that's good is for us to keep looking at the form. What is theater and how can we make it happen? And is it outdoor, you know, with social distancing with the audience? Is it, you know, in an empty theater with no audience, but filming inside the theater? Uh, or is it on Zoom and things that we're doing now? I think what's funny about exploring this form is people who are now almost deconstructing what it is to do a play on Zoom. You know, we've been there for two months and we're already trying to break that form. I'm not sure we've perfected it yet. Um, I like that. And I also liked her, her garden metaphor about, you know, what do you want to grow in your community and paying attention to that. And really nurturing the relationships you want, the talent, the skills you want, and to keep, you know, growing and cultivating your own garden. And I knew I talked last episode, uh, I think it was last episode, it was about the virtual lobby, you know, trying to find ways to hang out and cultivate relationships with people through showing up and supporting the work so that we can grow our community and network. And the other thing I'm thinking about in all this is, uh, you know, making sure that we're giving people credit. You know, I feel like uh, everybody's helping and coming up with new ways to do the technology and do present the work and write the work and act in the work and, uh, you know, just making sure we're getting the names out there so that we know somehow, you know, oh, who came up with that great video idea? Who helped us solve the audio problem? Who were the actors in the play? And all the basic things. And I'm thinking about it because, um, I'm really glad to be doing the podcast and, you know, I met Stephanie, I met her literally through my good friend, Kevin Cristaldi, great actor. Matter of fact, I wish that we had 
we talked after Stephanie and I did after we was done recording the podcast. We talked about how great Kevin's performance was in a Peregrine Falls earlier this year. And I wish that was on tape. So I guess I'm getting to say that now. And it was nice. It was great because they've been friends for a long time. And for her to be able to see him in a new light and see his work mature was just nice for her to talk about that. And glad that he connected us and reminded me that Stephanie was someone I had wanted to talk to, but he had said to me last week, oh, she's available. You should reach out. So I was glad for that. I'm glad for Hudson Roddenberry, who is editing uh, the podcast and making it sound uh, so making me sound better than I do, making the podcast sound great. I'm grateful for him, grateful for Andre Frado's music. I'm grateful Monique Carboni's graphic. You should follow Monique on Instagram. She's got a whole photo series of isolation and pandemic. And it was in, I think, the Washington Post and uh, beautiful photography. And the reason I, yeah, I was thinking about credit, because I want to make sure, like, okay, we're all doing it. Like, let's treat it as not it's not just a whim anymore this is what we're doing and so let's figure out a way for me to you know if we see something we like to figure out oh who was that person how did that happen so that we can create more opportunities for each other um because that's that's so we want to do as we cultivate as stephanie said at the end of our conversation cultivate our community and recommend each other and think about each other and and uh, and make sure that we credit each other and say you know this was this is who helped make it happen. And, you know, I hope uh, I've said at the beginning of this, I'm feeling like it's a little normal. Maybe I'm accepting this as the new normal or I've just hit a plateau. Talk about bending the curve. I've sort of on the emotional curve the last week. I feel like I've hit an emotional plateau. Hopefully this stays like this, but uh, I know it will change. But as we're doing it, Let's keep being intentional in what we're creating and keep moving forward to making work that excites you and that you're proud to share with each of us. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. And if there's anything we should know about, also, if something's been created, if you're doing something exciting, you want us to know about it, talk about it here and we'll share it. You know, send it, send me an email, reach out on social media. And, uh, and if you're enjoying these conversations, share this too. Uh, I would appreciate that. And with that, I'm going to let everybody get back to whatever you're doing in your own time during this week, in this casual downtime, which is, seems to be incredibly productive everywhere I look. With that, I'm out. <laughs>